Let's uh, continue worship by turning to Isaiah 23. Isaiah 23. We uh, come to the last of our uh, section on the oracles of judgment. So, oh, if you know you've been loving this, well, it's come to an end. Uh, the oracles of judgment, and uh, it's been, uh, you know, uh, I think by now uh, I was going to say, if, if you don't know the theme of Isaiah 13 and 23, uh, you have no excuse. You're without excuse. Uh, we, you should clearly know the theme of Isaiah 13 through 23, these oracles of judgment. In fact, <laughs> uh, there's probably no congregation out there right now that knows the theme of the Isaiah 13 and 23 more than any other, other than this one right here. And you know that Isaiah 13 and 23 simply teaches us Teaches the people of God to not put our trust in the nations, to not put our trust in power, the people, politics, and uh, of uh, and the, even the, the just not only in the nations but even this nation, to not put our especially in light of our uh, elections this year and this uh, so much potential turmoil that's going on. But our trust, as always, as the people of God, is to be in our Lord, in our God, He who is in sovereign, who is in control of all things. Um, he, his plan, his will will always come to pass. That's what we've been learning. We've been learning because God promises to judge all the nations. Every single nation that you put your trust in, even this nation, if it does not submit to Christ, if it does not bow the knee to our Lord of Lords and King of Kings, this nation too will be judged, just as all the nations have been. In the, have been. So we turn to Isaiah, 13, 20, Isaiah 23 this morning. And uh, we look to our last. Will you pray with me one more time? Father, thank you for this uh, section of Isaiah that we come to an end today. Thank you, Lord, for the lessons of judgment. How clearly all who do not uh, worship you, all who rise up in opposition to you, all who proclaim a, a self-sufficiency apart from you, all who uh, believe that their, their power and their success and their possessions come and their plans are successful because of themselves and their own doing and their own plans. Lord, all these will come to judgment before a holy God. We know that, Lord, that that's judgment will come. Not only have you brought judgment throughout history, but there is a future judgment that awaits all who oppose you. So, Lord, as we come to this final text, may you once again remind us of this. Continue to show us, Father, that we need, to, as a pure people, to not put our trust in the things of this world, the nations, and their, what we see as power. But, Father, help us to put our trust in you, who is all-powerful, the Almighty. May your Spirit teach us, speak to us, Lord, through your text this morning. Challenge us in an area that Many of us probably all wrestle with in this country. Well, Father, cause us to be a people who submit ourselves and our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, today's uh, sermon is focused on the nation of Tyre, the burden of Tyre, or the oracle of Tyre. You know, in our world today, when you think of the strongest nations that are all around our world, we, we think of countries, we tend to think of countries that are, are maybe strongest by population. You know, you can think of like China, India, wow, a billion people each. That's, that's a lot of power, human power. We think of probably naturally 
uh, military power. We think of uh, things like who has nuclear weapons. Well, you know, our country has a bunch. And Russia has a bunch. China has a bunch. We think of them as being powerful militarily. However, a nation can also be strong without a strong military, uh, uh, without a, a huge population. They can be strong because of money, because of the economy, because of their their influence upon all the nations, because of the of the monies that they control, that that they are they possess. Oftentimes, these come through primarily trade or through banking. Small nations in our world, like Qatar, Luxembourg, Singapore, uh, these are small nations in by malls comparisons. But they have significant power in our world because of their economic impact on the rest of the world. Today's last oracle of judgment is upon such a nation. A small nation, not a very populous nation, but had wide impact in the Mediterranean world because of its economic power. Because of its trade that it did throughout the Mediterranean. And that is the nation of, that is the nation of Phoenicia. Phoenicia. Of which Tyre was one of its main cities. Uh, and another city uh, <clears throat> that we'll find mention in the text is the city Sidon. Phoenicia, if you kind of will notice on this map, is that the red little strip of nation that's on the top of this map. It's kind of a map of uh, Canaan. You can see Judah, Israel. This is a map during the divided kingdom. So uh, it's kind of modified. But essentially, the, the, the nations that we surround Canaan are all still there. The nation of Phoenicia, the Phoenicians, who, by the way, if you... Know anything? Heard about Phoenicians? We probably heard first about Phoenicians when we learned our alphabet, right? Because our alphabets come from the Phoenician alphabet, essentially. It kind of comes from there. It's kind of FYI, fun little Bible fact, trivia. But they were known for their trade and commerce. Uh, they were probably known for their their sea trade. It was a uh, Phoenicia, as you'll see, is a little narrow strip on the Mediterranean coast, just north of Israel, and it covers basically present-day Lebanon. Their natural resource, one of their major natural resources, which we find mentioned in the Bible all the time, are these hills and the mountains there. And so they not only use that to export throughout the uh, the land, because I guess there weren't too many other countries around there. They had a lot of forest trees that were used for strong trees, used for building. And naturally, they too, they used these same trees to build seafaring ships, which then they traveled throughout uh, the land. And it was just the whole, geo- and kind of just reading about Phoenicia, it's very interesting uh, how they became such a nation. But You've got to Wikipedia that yourself. Well, anyways, their trade led them to successfully create then colonies. Uh, they, were, they, <clears throat> they started plant wherever they did a lot of trade, they created a Phoenician colony. And probably one of the most well-known of the Phoenician colonies was the city of Carthage in North Africa. Another one that we'll see mentioned in our text today is the uh, city of Tarshish, Tarshish in Spain. And so all you can kind of just think about this, uh, this little... T- this little nation here in Phoenicia, and that's reached all the way to North Africa, all the way to Spain, and some scholars even believe they went beyond that uh, outside of the Mediterranean, even as well. So they all because of their sea trade. So they had a wide economic impact. They, you would hear about, you see, we read about uh, the ships of Tarshish, the kind of essentially the, the sea, the seafaring ships that would go and bring trade brought all sorts of goods from far away, like gold and elephants, and you know all sorts of. Uh, Peacocks and animal, different rare animals into the Mediterranean, into uh, uh, the the Middle East, and you can imagine these are things that were not prevalent in the Middle East would have just been create a great uh, great amount of trade, great amount of wealth for this nation of Tyre. 
<clears throat> well, today's uh, oracle is directed primarily to Tyre, but even by applicate by kind of extension, it, it applies to the whole nation of Phoenicia as well as to its kind of neighboring town, its fellow neighboring town, another significant town of Sidon. So, in this uh, tenth and final oracle today, Tyre is a fitting conclusion for us. You remember the first oracle? Who was it pronounced against? It was pronounced against Babylon. You remember we talked about why Babylon was chosen. Not only because it would become a rising empire, but Babylon in the Bible was a, a, almost a, uh, a, a figure for, for, for power, for a military power, for religious power, for cultural power. That's the influence that Babylon had. It was so significant that kings of Assyria would often crown themselves also kings of Babylon because that had, to be a king of Babylon also had much clout. Of course, Babylon came to be known as basically the world in opposition to God. But today, as we focus on the nation of Tyre, Tyre has a, a different figure. It's, it's figured to not of military might or religious or cultural power, but economic might, economic power, riches kind of power. And this, too, can be a power in which the nation of Judah and the people of Judah have put their trust in. In fact, this, too, can be something that the people of God, you and I, and we can put our trust in put our trust in nations that are wealthy. We can put our trust in riches itself. The promised destruction of Tyre that we find here in, in chapter 23 is a warning to Judah to not put their trust in economic might, in economic power, in riches, essentially, but to put their trust in the Lord who rules over all. And I believe this passage is a, a fitting reminder for us today to not only, uh, to live not only who live not only in a very militarily mighty nation, as America is, but also our nation is an economically mighty nation. Our, I was just looking up nation GDPs, you know, gross domestic product. <laughs> and, and our nation, of course, is, well, I, had forget, I probably learned it at one point in social studies, but it's actually on the top. Wow, we produce that much that we, exp- that we either consume ourselves or we sell around the world. So we're and militarily mighty and economically mighty. And I think for us as a nation, we, we could grow up like this. We, we get used to it. We, we probably put our trust in that. And as we grow older, we always think, well, if I need help, I will put my trust in our nation to provide for me. Our nation is going to, and when, when there's economic trouble around the world, we think, well, you know, our nation's mighty. We're going to be okay. And that may be true, but when there are troubles around the world or when there's trouble anywhere, we should say, well, it's going to be okay because... I have God. I believe in God. And he is for me. He's with me. So there's a very practical application, not only as a nation, but there's a very personal application in this text. And I just kind of been, I just uh, uh, outlined it that way, that there's a personal application of this text is that we ourselves would not put our trust, uh, not just in nations, but in riches itself. Because that's what Tyre really symbolizes, riches. How much do we put our trust in riches? And I think we put our trust in riches a little more than we realize. We find our comfort um, in our, you know, in our pocketbooks and what, how much money we have in our bank account. Uh, you know, we, um, I catch myself, you know, I have, you know, we use whatever, I use uh, one of these websites to kind of track all my accounts and stuff. It's, and I just, and at the bottom it says, oh, my, oh, my, uh, my total net worth. And there are times when you, you just kind of look at that, oh, and that's nice, you know, that's going up. But it's easy to say, well, my, my security is found in my total net worth as it increases. 
But that, even though we can understand that, it's, oh, because you have more money. But that is not where our security is in. Our security has to be, as always, has been in God, in God alone. So hopefully uh, the application of this text will, will speak to us in this area. But as an outline for us, I'm, I'm kind of going to give you the, the passage outline because I'm going to give you a homiletical outline today. But I'll give you the passage outline. Just kind of just know that the first 14 verses describe the destruction of Tyre, uh, how God promised a judgment upon this little uh, city, particularly a city uh, just like uh, Babylon and Damascus previously. God has promised the destruction of a city, of Tyre. It is the, uh, at this point in the Isaiah's day, it was the, most, the major city uh, of Phoenicia. And it breaks down, we'll see a little bit later, into two parts. And then in verses 15 to 18, we'll see God promises the reconstruction or the, the rebuilding of Tyre, that it will come back as a nation, even after its destruction uh, by Assyria. But with this, it leads me then to our outline today for our text. And that is this, that as we look at this text, we can find three principles, three biblical principles that we find elsewhere in the scriptures that warn God's people of putting their trust in riches. Just as this is a warning to Judah, to the people of God in those days, this passage is a warning for us. It's a warning because it reveals these biblical principles about how about our attitudes toward riches, or the truths toward riches. And it should warn us as we come to, as we ourselves are given by God much riches in this world. We're given, we're entrusted much. Let us, may we learn from these principles, be reminded and be encouraged. So let's take a look at the text then. First of all, the first principle gleaned from the lamentation of a tire's destruction, the wailing, the weeping over tire's destruction. And that is this principle, that those who trust in riches will find sorrow. That's just what the Bible teaches, that those who, fought, who trust in riches will find sorrow. Now, verse 1, we begin. The oracle concerning Tyre, wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is destroyed without house or harbor, it is reported to them from the land of Cyprus. The verb wail that we find here in this first verse is stands out in our text. You read it through, you'll see it mentioned three times in here in verse 1, in verse 6, and verse 14. It's very clear that this destruction of, of, of Tyre is going to cause wailing, not only for the people of Tyre, but the, for the, the people that have been influenced, that are affected by the destruction of this economically mighty nation. Destruction of the city is going to be an occasion for, for wailing, for, for howling. That's the, the Hebrew word means to howl in distress. You know, when, when, you, when you are in agony, you know, sometimes you just groan and, and, make, and that's, that's the kind of uh, sound that is, <coughs> that is conveyed even. It's to mourn or lament a death and destruction. Tyre, of course, was known for its ships of Tarshish. Uh, you find that phrase throughout the Bible. Tarshish was located, as I've already mentioned, in Spain. And so the ships that would make the long journey there and back were these large seafaring, sturdy vessels. These large cargo ships were the picture of Tyre's strength. I can imagine if, if Tyre had an Xenia, they would have the ships of Tarshish on their, on their logo. These ships would regularly dock at Tyre's harbor when they would hear the news of, of Tyre's destruction, would wail at it. Because the ships without a harbor is like people without a home. They would hear about it, and they would hear about it even before they arrived. They would hear about it at near, the nearby island of Cyprus, which is 150 miles northwest of Tyre. So the ships, that is really the sailors, the, the people who are part of the, the maritime industry that are all impacted by, uh, 
by the destruction of Tyre would be wailing. They'd be affected by it. We continue on. Also, we see others are affected. Verses 2 through 5. Be silent, you inhabitants of the coastland, you merchants of Sidon. Your messengers crossed the sea and were on many waters. The grain of the Nile, the harvest of the river, was her revenue. And she was the market of nations. Be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea speaks, the stronghold of the sea, saying, I have neither travailed nor given birth. I have neither brought up young men nor reared virgins. When the report reaches Egypt, they will be in anguish at the report of Tyre. Now, the people who live on the coastland here, the, the inhabitants coast, uh, uh, this is the, the people of Phoenicia. These are the people, the citizens of who live on the land. When they hear the news, they'll be shocked, speechless, according to verse 2. The merchants of Sidon, Sidon is the other town, major city of, of Phoenicia. They, when they hear the news destruction of, of Tyre, they too would li- lament the impact on their trade. Much of their trade depended upon the goods of the nations moving through Tyre. For there, the harbor was, was strong and was a large harbor that would be of which many ships came to dock. But now with the destruction of this major port, this even uh, not only would the people of Phoenicia be, uh, be silent and be speechless, but the sea even would, would be mourning, would be wailing. This, the sea is used as a, a kind of... Uh, is personified as speaking out loud and basically agonizing over the fact that she is barren. And the idea is that all her ships are gone because there's no, no, no uh, city of Tyre for the, for the ships to come in port. All of a sudden, the traffic across the Mediterranean stopped. And so that she's like, all my children are gone. I've never given birth. There's no, there's no ships left, is the picture. The whole Phoenician economy has collapsed. And all would lament, even including its partner nations, like Egypt, according to verse 5. Egypt, uh, later on, uh, Egypt it was probably known for its, the grain that we produce. And it would go through into to the port, of, be traveled up north to the port of Tyre. And then from there, it would be tra- taken and sold to other parts of the world. Verse 6 continues and describes what happens to the surviving refugees of Tyre. Verse 6 and 7, pass over to Tarshish. Wail, O inhabitants of the, castle, of the coastland. Is this your jubilant city, whose origin is from antiquity, whose feet used to carry her to colonize distant places? The survivors here are told to flee, pass over to Tarshish, to go all the way, to get out. There's nothing there in Tyre, so just go to Tarshish, one of their colonies. And all the while, they are lamenting, they're wailing of Tyre, over Tyre's destruction. The once jubilant city, and you kind of think of port cities, all these sailors coming in, you know, all sorts of money to be spent. And you can just think, in probably San Francisco was like that at one point, you know. Just when sailors would come in through Fisherman's Wharf, they got money, they just sold their, all their, their goods, they got money to spend. It's a jubilant city, you know, they go want to spend it uh, watching movies or going to the Golden Gate Park or, you know, um, buying cotton candy. No, you know, there, you know, you know how to go to bars, saloons, uh, find some women. That's jubilant. It's just kind of, that was tire. But there will be no more of that. This was once the tire would be destroyed and the jubilance, was, jubilance would cease. This once jubilant city of old, the city that once colonized various places. We talked about how because of their trade, they colonized Carthage, colonized uh, Tarshish, and, and there were others was now destroyed and full of sorrow. Instead of colonizing these places, the people are basically fleeing to those distant places. 
And so this is what happens. This is the, this is the prophecy of judgment upon this city of Tyre because of, for, and, and its impact upon their, their riches and its impact upon the world. We find here that the destruction of Tyre results in great sorrow, not only for the Phoenicians, but also for others who put their trust in this little port city, in this nation. And this is a biblical principle that we find taught in the Bible. That is, when people put their trust in riches, put their trust in, in the economy, if you will, even. When that is what gives them security, when the economy collapses, when the riches are gone, when the trade ceases, when the money stops coming in, those things which there were their God, really, their idols, then there is wailing. Because the constant seeking of it, the constant trying to keep it, will have, is impossible to do. Eventually, all of us will lose our riches. Sometimes God will take it away from us, but inevitably and in time, it will all be taken away at death. And losing it, when we lose it, especially when there are idols and there are gods, it leads to grief and sorrow. Jesus would teach this himself and many times in the various teachings. Jesus taught on the dangers of greed in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 34. And there he tells, uh, he says in verse 15, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Jesus teaches us to watch out for greed. Don't be fooled to think that your life is about what you possess. The truth is that you don't possess any of it. You can't even hold on to it, even if you locked it up in a bank. Because eventually we all die. Jesus would then tell the parable of the rich fool, which illustrated this very point. In verse 20, he would say, the God saying to the rich fool, in the, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? He says, you can't even keep it. I mean, Ecclesiastes talks about this. You can't control your wealth. You cannot hold it forever. So life is more than food. It's more than clothing. It's more than the stuff that we possess. Life is about, true life is about the riches in Christ, the joy of seeking his kingdom, as Jesus would teach us. Settling for anything less will lead to sorrow. And that's what not only do we see for the city when Tyre is destroyed, but I think we all experience that in our own lives. Just like, um, oh, I was going to give an illustration of my personal life, but... I'm sure you can just think of a time when you lost some money and you were sad about it. There you go. There's sorrow. <laughs> second principle. We move on. The second principle that warns us of putting our trust in riches is found in verse 8 to 14. We receive the explanation for Tyre's destruction. The explanation. And this principle is this that we find in the Bible, that those who trust in riches are opposed by God. That when you put your trust in riches, God will oppose you. Verse 8, we begin to read, Who has planned this against Tyre, the bestower of crowns, whose merchants were princes, whose traders were the honored of the earth? Verse 8 essentially asks us, Who is behind this destruction of Tyre? Do they not know the, the power and glory of Tyre? How dare they come and do this? This is the bestower of crowns. This nation is so important. Why would you destroy it? Why would this... this this, this nation is doing a good thing in the world. It, it creates colonies. It, it bestows, puts people in charge of these colonies. Makes, puts crowns upon them. 
This is the city where the merchants are rulers. These are very vital people for our economy, for our world. This is a city where the merchants rule. This is a city where sea traders are the most respected people of the earth. These are respected people. This is a respected city, a city to be looked up to, a city that all other poor cities should strive to be. Who has planned this against Tyre? Who would destroy this nation? Is the question. The answer is given in verse 9. The Lord of hosts has planned it to defile the pride of all beauty, to despise all the honored of the earth. Once again, God is called here the Lord of hosts, <coughs> emphasizing his power. Almighty God is the one who has planned it. That is who. He is behind Tyre's destruction. Isaiah, even though he is aware, very much aware of who is the secondary cause of Tyre's destruction, but he goes straight to the primary cause. <clears throat> it is God. It is God whose hand is upon Tyre to destroy it. And we are told exactly why. God has put his hand to destroy Tyre. God planned to do it because he planned to do it to defile the pride of all beauty and to despise all the honored of the earth. That is, God will bring low every claim to pride and honor of men. This nation that was so successful, so economically powerful, was full of pride, was full of honor. And it was a pride and honor that did not recognize God, that did not say, God did this. To God be the glory. And they say, no, we did it. And they're proud in their, proud in their own accomplishments, their, their self-sufficiency. And because they failed to acknowledge that their power was from God and that they should have honored God. In fact, they didn't honor God. They, they worshipped. They Phoenicia, the Phoenicians were known for the worship of idols. Baal and Ashtaroth were, were Phoenician gods. And God, therefore, was opposed to them. Just as God is always opposed to those who would lift themselves up in pride. To every man or nation that thinks that their greatness is because of their own doing, God will bring low according to the scriptures. And that's exactly what God promised to do as we read on in verse 10 through 14. Overflow your land like the Nile, O daughter of Tarshish. There is no more restraint. He has stretched his hand out over the sea. He has made the kingdoms tremble. The Lord has given a command concerning Canaan to demolish its strongholds. He has said, you shall exult no more. O crushed virgin daughter of Sidon, arise, pass over to Cyprus. Even there you will find no rest. Behold the land of the Chaldeans. This is the people who was not. Assyria appointed it for desert creatures. They erected their siege towers. They stripped its palaces. They made it a ruin. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for your stronghold is destroyed. The destruction of Tyre is such that their control over the, their colonies ceased. And according to verse 10, God encourages the colonies of Tarshish to, to break free because their restraints are removed. This destruction is not just the only one either. For verse 11 tells us that the Lord has ordained that many of the strongholds of Canaan would be demolished. This is not that not only would Tyre be destroyed, but many of the various cities and, and towns and strongholds throughout the land of Canaan as well would be demolished. The refugees that of Sidon, and apparently Sidon would be affected as well, they too would flee. And they would try to flee to Cyprus. But God tells them that they will have no rest there. Verse 13 is kind of given as a visual exam- reminder to them. It says, look to Babylon, 
Look what happened to Babylon. And remember, if you kind of think about the historical context of all this, that all this, these nations are rebelling is because of the Babylonian and kind of Babylonians lead, Merodach Baladon. Remember, we looked at that uh, last week, I believe. And he's given an example of hopelessness, that even Babylon has been wiped, wiped off by the Assyrians. So how would Tyre resist? And so all this hints at us what is the secondary cause of, of Tyre's destruction, that is the nation of Assyria. Just as Assyria has defeated Babylon, so they would do the same to Tyre, just as they would do to Moab, just as they would do to Arabia, just as they would do to, uh, to uh, Aram and Israel. God would destroy, God would use Assyria to destroy Tyre. Once again, uh, it was just puts us, this fulfillment of this prophecy somewhere around 701 BC. 702 was when Babylon was conquered. So after, subsequent to the Babylon's uh, kind of reconquering, Assyria then takes a move and heads into the western parts of, uh, towards the Mediterranean to take over these other rebellious, little rebellious nations. Sennacherib brings one by one each nation to submission. And eventually he brings Tyre to submission. And that's why there will be this wailing and lamenting. Because God is the one who is behind it all. He is opposed to those who would lift themselves up in pride by trusting in their riches. James chapter 4. We see, look to the New Testament. We see this principle reiterated. Where James writes, Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility with, toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, to have a strong love and affection for the things of the world, including its riches, makes one, here, according to James, an enemy of God. You have hostility toward God. You have a friend of the world. You are an enemy of God. Two verses later, James will tell us in verse verse 6 that God is opposed to the proud. He's opposed to those who would who would be friends of the world and put their trust in, in the things of the world, the riches of the world. If you love the world, if you love the riches of the world, then you are behaving in hostility and enmity toward God, according to James. Jesus himself would teach a similar, the similar truth in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and wealth. Now, it's not wrong to possess riches, to possess wealth. We are, otherwise, we would all be in sin. I think we live, we live in San Francisco, one of the wealthiest cities and the wealthiest states and the wealthiest nation. God is the one who gives it to us. Riches and wealth are not evil in and of themselves because they're all, they all belong to God. And he is not evil. He gives it generously and freely to anyone who, who, whom he wills. But it is our attitude towards riches. Do we look as riches as from God? Or do we look at our riches as from our own strength? From ourselves? From our hard work? <coughs> do we serve God with our riches? Or we serve riches. With using God. There are many out there just. Out there who will use the name of God. To be rich. To be wealthy. And we're just not talking. You can just kind of. Excuse me. 
We're not just talking about the, the health and false prophets, the health and wealth and prosperity gospel. We're talking about even Christians, people who would name the name of Christ, but have been caught up in the, the idolatry of greed. I've known Christians who will use their connections in, in church for business. Uh, the most obvious ones are Amway, you know, and that's not necessarily slamming Amway, but you know, there's people who use that, that discipleship models in the church for, hey, I'll, I'll, you, you can make money, you can be, be free, and they'll use the church to get wealthy. And as soon as you say anything about it, you know, as we've, I've done in, we've, in previous church I've had, we've done, uh, people just, they start moving to another church. We use God. We pray to God. And just like, we treat God like an idol. Oh, oh, idol God, help me become rich. Help me, you know, help me to, to get more money. Help me be successful. When God is the one who gives all riches, and our trust must be in him and him alone, God is opposed to those who put our trust in riches. So let us put our trust in him. As a final warning, we come to a third principle in verse 15 to 18. And that is that those who trust in riches become enslaved to it. In these verses, we see God's mercy upon Tyre. Yes, he's promised destruction of Tyre, but as we learn of this uh, in this text, we see that there's an eventual reconstruction, a rebuilding of the city of Tyre. Yet sadly, Tyre and Phoenicia will go right back to her old ways, despite her judgment. And we see this because of verse 15 and 17. We see how she goes back because of the lure of riches. That it's a, it's a trap. The trap of riches. Verse 15 to 17. Now in that day, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years like the days of one king. At the end of 70 years, it will happen to Tyre as in the song of the harlot. Take your harp. Walk about the city, O forgotten harlot. Pluck the strings skillfully. Sing many songs that you may be remembered. It will come about at the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre. Then she will go back to her harlot's wages and will play the harlot with all the kingdoms on the face of the earth. We see her mention of the reference of 70 years. For a period of 70 years, Tyre will be forgotten. Before its destruction, Tyre's name was known everywhere because it was a well-known port city. But God's judgment brought her an end to her glory. And she became, and, and she became for, forgotten. And it would have remained forgotten if it were not for the providence of God. In fact, she's described here as a, a forgotten harlot. And in those days, uh, uh, harlots were common. Well, even in our days still, prostitution was common. And a harlot would basically make money by being well-known, right? You're, you're in a harlot. You, you, if you're, you have a big name, you, you could draw more uh, customers, but there's nothing worse to be than a forgotten harlot, to not even be recognized. Maybe as they age, they're forgotten. But here is a sad, there's a sad picture of this forgotten harlot going around the city, playing her harp, trying to draw attention to herself, singing a song, to, to many songs so that she would be remembered. And that's what Tyre is described as. She's like a, an old harlot that goes back to her ways and starts playing her strings to draw people to herself. She goes back to that, the same, very same practices that led to her destruction. God, in, God in, in his 
would allow Tyre to be reconstructed. It would, and Tyre would be successful with her song because of the lure of riches. Not just for the nation of Tyre, but for the people. People always want to get wealthy. And as long as you continue to, there are certain kind of ways that the world operates that appeals to man. And so after 70 years, Tyre would be rebuilt. Historically speaking, there's differences on which scholars believe which event this refers to. But it is believed, I think it's after 701 B.C., Assyria uh, was defeated by Tyre, or uh, somewhere around there. But in 630 B.C., approximately 70 years later, when Assyria fell to Babylon, Assyria's hold upon Tyre was, had to be removed, was released. And so Tyre was then allowed to prosper again. That's probably the 70-year period. But instead of acknowledging God's mercy, instead of acknowledging that God had set them free, Tyre went back right back to doing what they do. They gathered riches through their trade. They went back right back to putting their trust in their in the riches. They went right back to acknowledging, <clears throat> giving knowledge to acknowledgement to their idols, uh, Baal and Ashtoreth, and they did so in pride and and, <clears throat> and not instead of in honor and recognition of God. And the lore of riches leads them to other sins, leads not only Tyre, but people to other sins, does it not? We see this truth taught in the New Testament. Paul himself taught in 1 Timothy 6, verse 9 through 10, when he called uh, desire to get rich a snare, a trap, verse 9 and 10. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. God's word tells us the desire for riches. If you have a, a desire for riches, that it will never be satisfied. You want to get rich, that desire will never be satisfied. Because one will always want more and more. And oftentimes, the desire for more and more leads until you to the point where you lost everything that really matters in your life. Most importantly, your faith in God. We've all said, I need to work a few more hours. I'm just going to put a small bet. It's just going to be one lotto ticket. Hey, everybody does it to get ahead. These small white lies, we eventually become to believe. Those few hours become more hours. It becomes an 80-hour work week. A small little bet, a lotto ticket. comes an addiction to where we're putting our deed, we're spending our monthly paycheck. Everybody does it. And then you find yourself arrested, going to jail. Along the way, the lure of riches is so strong that if we can allow ourselves to, to, to continue to seek after it, it will lead to further and further sins. It leads, as Paul tells us, to ruin and destruction. And we, I understand. We could all use a little more money. Right? We go saying, oh, if I could use a little more money, if I could use a little more money, I could do this or that. 
we could always use a little more money. That's our, that's our human thoughts. And God provides it. We bless God. We praise God for the blessing. But let's watch out for that desire for riches because it is a trap. It is a trap that leads us away from God. Later on, Paul will tell us, let us be content. Let us be content with what God has given us. Although Tyre would fall away, fall back into their old ways, we end up seeing ultimately the providence of the Lord of riches, of God himself in verse 18. We see that God will <coughs> sovereignly and providentially use Tyre even as she goes back and does her own thing. Verse 18, her gain and her harlot's wages will be set apart to the Lord. Really, you can translate that her gain and her harlot's wages will be holiness to the Lord. It will not be stored up or hoarded, but her gain will become sufficient food and choice attire for those who dwell in the presence of the Lord. Our sovereign God will use even the riches of Tyre for his glory. That's what he does in our world. You know, he, he does it even with people using, you know, making money through illicit gain even. And God in his problems will even use those resources for his glory. He'll make them so that they will lose it. He'll make them when, when, uh, uh, that when they're uh, that they're maybe they're arrested or put into jail, God will take all that money and He will redistribute it for His purposes. And God does that with Tyre. Ezra chapter three. What's kind of neat about uh, this is that it seems like this is fulfilled. This this particular is fulfilled even in the uh, in the days after the exile. For Ezra three seven tells us of how both Tyre and Sidon sent resources towards the rebuilding of the temple when they returned. But it's also quite likely, just as we often have finding in Isaiah, there's often a, a near and far reference here, that this near reference to maybe to the re- how Tyre and Sidon's money would be used by God to rebuild the temple, but it may be even referring farther into the millennial kingdom. Isaiah 60, verse 5 through 9, tells us how the time when the nations are all going to bring their wealth into Jerusalem. It will be provided for, for God and for his people. And so that may, that may be the ultimate uh, pointing out in in the, in the end, or ultimate uh, truth in the end. But whatever the occasion, we see that though sinful man seeks to hoard and, and store up their treasures for themselves, God in his providence will redirect those riches to whomever he wills. And as we remember this then, that God himself will, is the ultimately the Lord of riches. Let us not uh, watch out and, and for the lure of riches. Because when you are to put your trust in it, you will be enslaved to it. Rather, let us be entrust ourselves to God and let us all be, if you're going to be slaves of anything, let us be slaves of God. Let us be serve his servants. Let us use our lives and the riches he gives us to his glory. Tyre was an economic power that would face the inevitable judgment of God for her prideful lust and trust in her riches. Her destruction was a warning to Judah to not put their trust in riches, to not put their trust in the nations. And it is a warning to us today to not put our trust in safety, to not put our trust in the safety and security of riches. This rich safety and security of riches is an illusion. It's an illusion. Safety and security are only in the Lord. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 4 tells us that riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. In the end, when everything in this world is done, 
in eternity when everything, when everything really matters. Riches will not save you from God's wrath. That's what Proverbs tells us. Only thing that will save you is if you possess righteousness. The problem is, none of us have righteousness. We all are sinners, fall short of the glory of God. And that is why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as we remember today in the communion. For Christ's righteousness, his death on the cross provided an abundant richness for us. So that when we go before the Lord, that we can show him the riches of Christ. That we have Christ. That it's because of Christ that we can enter into eternity before him. And if you have not yet turned from your sins and turned to faith to Christ, I invite you to do that today. Because you aren't going to be able to take your riches there and say, look, oh, it's money. You're not going to take your house. You can't even take your children and your spouse and say, oh, here, look. They will not save you in the day of wrath. Only the righteousness that is found in Christ through faith in him. And so that's, and that's just our encouragement to you. Let us not put our trust in riches. Let us put our trust in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your abundant riches towards us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, in the, we who live in a, in a very wealthy world, we who are blessed by you with much wealth, much resources, how easy it is, Lord, so often to put our trust in our riches and our bank accounts and our IRA, our 401ks. It is easy for us, Lord, to measure our lives by how much more money I've made, how many more cars I own, how many more houses I can buy. It's easy, to, Lord, for us to find honor and pride in, in what I can accomplish through my, my the gaining of material possessions. When, Lord, none of these things matter in eternity. Father, sometimes you, you, we acknowledge that you, bless, you can bless us in these ways. We know that. But, Father, help us to watch out and guard that we would not fall into the trap and lure of riches. Guard us, Father, from having a love for money. Guard us from being like Tyre, finding pride and honor in our riches so that we think that it's all about us. Father, help us as your people to keep putting our trust in you, to see riches for what it is, a blessing from you, to use our riches for what you've designed it to be, to be used for you, for your glory. Lord, help us to be a people then who continually magnify your name through the very riches that you have given to us as we continue to put our trust in you and especially in your son, Jesus Christ. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.